What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 65.2. And we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Dead Space 2. Uh, our nightmare before Christmas has uh, has come to an end. But uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello. So yeah, Dead Space 2. Uh, I We finally made it past the part that we got stuck on in 2010. That's a whole new world after that. I know. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we beat this sucker. I, um... It finally crossed it off the shame list. Yeah, that was one of them. That was one, of, like, I kept that game specifically saying that I want to go back and finish this game. Cause I yeah, not, we... not just the backlog, but yeah. the shame list games that made me, like, that beat me. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. It beat me, and on top of that, I really liked it. Yeah, you know, like I was like, I love Dead Space. Like that was, you know, to me, that's one of the the better modern horror games. And um, but yeah, um, last we left off, uh, we were making our way to the uh, to the spire. The what do they call it? Mm. The marker. Yeah, the marker. Yeah, the marker. Um. Or we're we're on our way to the marker. Um, we're trying to uh, make it to Ellie because she's in trouble right now. Strauss has lost his damn mind. And, about to gouge her eye out, and is about to gouge her eye out. Potentially killed her. Yeah, at this point. And so we're trying to race to her to stop Strauss. And when we get there, um, Strauss is nowhere to be found. We do find Ellie. She's still alive, but. She is missing an eyeball. He did gouge her eye out. <laughs> and showed it to us. <laughs> and showed it to us, yeah. And so we're trying to chase after him. And that's pretty much all of chapter... What is it? Chapter 10 is trying to find him. And at the end of chapter 10, we do find him. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like it's a little anticlimactic. Yeah, this game has a little bit of a, a way of every time it sets something up, you just kind of get pulled away and then you're off on some seeming side mission or, you know, something bad happens. So now you're you're taking the long way around, basically, to everything. Yeah, and I can't remember where we're – I think it was like a kind of like a machinery area. In Chapter 11? Uh, well, yes, it's Chapter 11. Yeah, you end up like basically down in the mines almost. Yeah, that's that's we end in the mines in chapter eleven, and chapter twelve is when we're we're riding the the mine cart basically, <laughs> uh, the drilling machine. Uh, but before that, you know, Ellie is really pissed at us. She's like, "You owe me a fucking eye," and uh, so we chase after uh, Strauss. Finally, run into him at the end of the chapter eleven. Uh, he actually comes after at us with a uh, scalpel or a some type of a knife of some type, and he's trying to uh, trying to kill us. And um, it's not very difficult. You just hit the X button for pretty much all the quick time events. Yeah, and you just mash on the X button, and he takes a screwdriver and then shoves it into Strauss's temple, uh, killing him. And I was like, well, that was that was kind of anticlimactic, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what I expected to happen with Strauss. 
I mean, he he did go crazy and we kind of put him down, but that I kind of expected a little more there. I feel like a lot of this game is anticlimactic, and the reason why is because nothing is done through cutscenes. Pretty much every cutscene in this game is in game through basically the the same camera vision that we have throughout the entire game. Uh, most of the dialogue is played through like these video feeds that is basically mm-hmm. a hologram in front of him, uh, and you can move around and stuff like that. In the certain the quote unquote cutscenes, it's still like the cameras behind uh, Isaac for the most part. And certain things just resolve in front of him. And it feels almost like you're not there. You know what I mean? It's weird. It's like, it's either... I don't, like, I can't describe it. It's so weird how how, how I feel about that. Because it it feels like it's like, oh, this, you know. It, it feels like a quick time event that I have no control over. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, couldn't you do this in like a cutscene and probably, you know, use some better camera angles or, you know, uh, even just had some acting. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like there, there, there was no like, there was no grandiose, you know, cutscene of, of anything. It was all just seen through the same camera angle of behind Isaac's back. Yeah, I agree. And I think that kind of ties into, you know, my only real beef with it is again that it it doesn't. It seems very zoomed in story wise. Like you're minute to minute, you have like objectives, but it it doesn't zoom out. It doesn't give you that context, the story. You know, tied in with the acting and and the camera angles, and you know you you don't you don't get really get any like exterior space shots, for example. Not not that that in itself provides anything, but they they don't. They don't do a good job of sort of establishing sort of the the, the context of the story. It's just it's a very it's a very focused story for what it is, and you know there's no real outside repercussions. There's it it's just very zoomed in. I, I feel that's yeah that's the best way to describe it. And I get it. They're trying to like we're getting the story through Isaac's you know experiences. So you know like things happen off screen. Like, you know, Ellie getting attacked and, and stuff like that. And a lot of stuff, like, a lot of the stuff is just told through exposition rather than, you know, you see it. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> and I only bring this up and I just mentioned it to you before we started recording that I, I have, for some reason, gone back and listened to the Last of Us episodes that we did. Yeah. And there's a couple of comments that I would make as a as a juxtaposition. One, there's so much of that game that's told through the world around you, which, to to be fair, actually, I think that this game tries to do that a lot. Like when you're walking through sort of the residential corridors, yeah, and you do see a lot of graffiti on the wall, you get a sense of things have happened here. People have gone through some stuff. But it just doesn't have that the the overall sense that The Last of Us does. And you made a comment in one of those episodes about how it's a, it's almost a little strange that you don't even see a, a clicker or an infected until hours into that game. Yeah. And and a lot of that's about establishing the world before you bring in I don't know the story or some other some other parts of it. Yeah. Th- th- this game 
Well, it's clearly not told with that kind of nuance. I, it, it, it's not meant to, so it's hard to know if they could have done that. They, I don't, it's clear that they didn't really try to do that. Right. Um, you know, and, and it certainly leans on its strengths, but sort of the narrative and the world and the universe aren't aren't those strengths. Yeah, it plays second fiddle to the to the action itself. Yeah. You know, and I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Because of the type of game it is, you know, you're supposed to be constantly scared. You're supposed to be constantly in fear of something jumping out at you. Um, I don't think I was scared throughout this playthrough. Like even, like I mentioned it last episode, but like when I finished the game, I sat back, I was like, you know, this is a horror game. And I guess if I had played it to be that at the, before, you know, back whenever it first came out, I'm sure there was times where it did scare me, but I feel like it was, and especially later on in the game, you just kind of expect it. You expect something to jump out at you. Yeah. There, there are moments when it certainly shocks you, but they're not, I, I don't think they did enough to lay the, the fear or the dread. And, and part of that's just the way that the sequel goes. There's more ammo. You are more of a badass. Yeah. And so, there, there really isn't that sense of, of fear. I mean, that's, again, not the way the game was designed. Yeah. It, it's not as much of a horror game, I don't think. Yeah, this is, this is the new version of Resident Evil. Not the old version. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Which I, I shouldn't say that because Resident Evil 7 is a horror game. <laughs> sort of. Resident, I, I'll put, Resident Evil 7 is a fucking scary game. <laughs> like that, that game scared the hell out of me. Um, there was many times where I, I jumped and stuff like that. And I, I chose to play this like with headphones on and stuff like that because the sound design is amazing. But, uh, yeah, this, this game, it, it's shocking. That's, that's your, that's the best way to describe it. Like you said, it's, it, there's, yeah. there's parts where like, Oh God, I'm surrounded, you know, or here comes a bunch of guys, you know, um, but it's different cause it's not, it doesn't have that atmosphere necessarily. Yeah. Kind of like in horror movies. I mean, there's a lot of horror movies just where they, they overuse the jump outs. Whereas uh, a movie like Silent Hill, for me, really lays in that dread and it feels different because it's more about, you know, just how awful the situation is and how Pyramid Head can do anything at any time and, you know, all, all the nonsense that goes into making people feel scared and it doesn't have quite as many jump outs. And I always hold that up as a, a, a weird because it's a video game movie, but it, I think it really does atmosphere exceedingly well. That's a, yeah, I forgot about the movie, I, and I told, like I should mention, um, Laura is looking for another game for me and her to play together. We're doing L.A. Noir right now, but she wanted to check out another one, and uh, she picked the Silent Hill game. And I was like, you know, they made a movie about Silent Hill. And she said, I vague, <laughs> two of them. Yeah, she said I vaguely remember the movie, but. I uh, I remember watching that in theaters and thinking this is okay. I didn't think it was you know mind blowing or anything like that, but it was a it was a a lot better than a lot of video game movies. Yeah. So yeah, but um, back to Dead Space. Um, yeah, but there's a couple of things you do in Chapter Eleven here. There's that part with the uh, where you're zooming around in zero G, and there's all those lasers that are. Pointed at the door that you need to go through. Yeah, 
there is that you have to go out basically outside the space station and um you have to move the lasers where were we going to do that i can't remember what, what like what was the objective there like i can't remember uh, where we ended up yeah i'm not sure why exactly we were outside that's the thing is like we do so many things and i'm just like why are we doing this but all right yeah, I think we just got sucked outside and we had to fight uh, one of the they call them the lobbers, where they where they shoot the the little homing cysts at you. Yeah, and then we just had to get back inside. So you, you kind of got to watch your oxygen gauge and try and move all these things around. Luckily, there's ample O2 stations outside, so you can kind of keep refilling. Yeah, I I kind of like those sections. They they. They're a decent distraction, I think. Yeah, they do change it up. Like when you had to earlier, when you had to realign the mirrors. Mm-hmm. Or is that a, no? That was before this. Yeah, that was before this. Yeah, the and that's and we go back. I go back to it. Alan Wake. I think you need those change ups. Yeah. Otherwise, this game would get stale. Yep, and, and it's funny because. <laughs> I would imagine that if I was designing this game, I would say, "Well, we need some change-ups because it's just—it's too scary. You, you know, you can't have people with that sense of dread the whole time." And uh, yeah, it's—it's it's not that scary, but the change-ups are still welcome. Well, yeah, because I mean, going through corridor to corridor with your gun out—you know, shoot the limbs—that would get old. But yeah. Be- but because they change it up every probably thirty minutes or so, got you doing some type of a puzzle or you know doing zero G. That that kind of thing, it, it keeps it fresh. Yeah, and they're nothing mind blowing. I mean, none of them were even remotely. I wouldn't even call them puzzles, really. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what you need to do. So it's more just executing it than it is figuring it out. But I don't know. I, I still like I still like being outside. Again, you know, maybe that comes back to just the fact that I I feel like there there wasn't enough establishing shots. And so anytime I get outside, I, you know, I feel more like I'm on a space station. Yeah. Instead of in a, you know, it could be anything, a submarine, a, you know, research complex, could be anything anywhere. But once you're outside, you can really see that it's in space. Yeah. The, the, I really liked, like, I don't think a game has done zero G quite like Dead Space has. Because. Yeah, and, it, and it's better in this game. It is so good. So it's because, and you may think of it as a detriment, but. It's so disorienting sometimes. Yeah. Then, and, and like, if you turn, you're like, oh, I'm looking, you know, upside down and to the right, and I didn't realize it. It's like I don't know, like, and that would how that would probably be how it would be in in real life, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know Visceral Games has done. They did a lot of research for Dead Space, uh, the series, um, both on like what it's like to be in zero G. And also to get the necromorphs to look proper, they actually went through like autopsy photos and stuff. <laughs> like they did like a lot of research to to get this stuff right. Hmm. Uh, rest in peace, Visceral Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they shut that shut those guys down. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I was really hoping for Dead Space Four. I was really hoping for that because I, I I would love to see a game, you know on the modern consoles, what they could do with that. But yeah. Um, so yeah, 
I was just saying, there's the last part of this chapter with the, uh, you know, you get another pretty clear kill room when you're on that giant elevator. Yeah. I really hate those. Yeah, I I can't. T- I think I would hate them if they were a little bit harder. But for me, they've been almost at the perfect difficulty level where it's stressful, it's tense. I'm always like I'm spinning around in circles because I don't want something to come up behind me. Mm-hmm. But I, I haven't. I, I may have died once at, at some of these kill rooms, but I've never gotten stuck at them. So to me, if you can induce that tension but not be frustrating, then I, I think you. You walk the right side of that line, and th- that's how these came across for me. So I kind of, I kind of like these kill rooms, even when I hated them, because I think it was again earlier in this chapter, right when you get into, into the mines, you kind of have that. Uh, you've kind of got a walkway along the top, and then you've got like a ramp going down, and in that room, you end up fighting quite a few different enemies. And you know, I, one of the things that they do well is the sound in this game, and there's always, you know, you can hear when there's enemies, but. You, in that in this level, I, I felt like there were a bunch of times when I could hear them, and so I'm frantically looking around, but I couldn't see them because of you know sort of the different levels, and they were kind of hiding behind machinery and stuff. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I thought this was a pretty good level as far as it being tense. You know, there's zero G. There's a couple of kill rooms. You know, there's not really other puzzles per se, but there's a little bit of you know backtracking back and forth through that main, not lobby, but the, the main room there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. This is this was one of the chapters I liked more than some of the others. Yeah. Um, chapter twelve begins with us meeting back up with Ellie. Um, they're in the mines. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know why she couldn't open the freaking door. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> plot device. I don't know. <laughs> you just stay out there. You may get crushed by a rock or. Killed by a billion necromorphs. Just, just stay out there. Yeah, just stay out there and ride this thing. So we're at this drill. Uh, we clear out the area, and Ellie's going to get it started. Uh, so we can drill to where they're keeping the uh, the marker, which is in an underground facility on Titan. And um, so begins the level where we're basically riding this drill on top of this drill while it's drilling through the ground and uh necromorphs are constantly jumping up on the drill and we got to shoot them off and And hanging around on the ledges on both sides shooting us yes i hate those things yeah and i didn't realize until the level was almost over that there were so many red barrels that i could have picked up and launched at them it's true because for a while i was shooting at them but then i'm like man i'm using a lot of ammo and i'm I, I may have killed a couple of them, but I certainly didn't kill anywhere near enough to justify how much ammo I was spending. So probably two-thirds of the way through that, I just stopped shooting at them and just kept running around in circles trying to dodge their whatever the heck, spire, whatever they shoot at us. Yeah. Really annoying, guys. Uh, I was able to get the uh, trophy for shooting all three of their little tentacles at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was nice. Um. But yeah, so uh, she drills through the ground into the complex itself, and we get separated. We're kind of at the top of the balcony while she's down below. Uh, she goes on in. We're going to have to try and rendezvous with her. And so this is when we've arrived at the government sector. Yes. 
Uh, we're still getting some transmissions from the guy who is trying to kill us. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but, uh, he's working. He's the villain basically. Is his name Hans? Is it Hans? I had looked something up because I didn't know his name either. It says Hans Tideman. That's it. Hans Tideman. Tideman. I think. But, um, yeah, so we're trying to rendezvous back with her. Uh, she's going to go into the facility. We are too. Uh, this is chapter 12. Well, 12 is the ride in. 12 is the ride in. 13, yeah. 13 is uh, where we finally kind of get to see other people who are alive. They're not alive for long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going through some corridors trying to get down to the bottom. And uh, we finally run into this hallway where there's at least 10 guys there with guns. And they open fire on us and we have to like dash through a side door. Yeah, it's kind of a cool little scene there because as you watch them get assaulted. Yeah, we open up the, we turn off the power to the, uh, the gates and the gates open and all the necromorphs come in and just kill all of them except for Tideman. He gets out. Um, we don't, yeah, we do. It's at the end of chapter 13. When we were on back into Ellie, we eventually get back to her. And, um, during this chapter, Isaac is basically having a ton of those visions of his dead girlfriend. And, uh, he comes to the realization that he is running from her because he doesn't want to lose her. I, that that's a little fuzzy to me. Yeah, it had something to do, I think, with him like reconciling his guilt. I don't know if it was more than that, realistically or not, though. Yeah, is it just him dealing with his guilt over letting her die, and he needs to come to peace with it and let her go? Yeah, I guess that's what he's doing because he doesn't want to let go. Um, so he keeps seeing her and it's obviously visions that the, uh, the marker is also giving him. Um, and he realizes he has to do this on his own. So, uh, they get to an escape hatch, him and Ellie do. And he tells Ellie to get the hell out of here. Just leave him. Yeah. At first I just, I absolutely could not fathom why he would do that. He 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 wants to end it. I don't know. Well, yeah, that, that's what I got after a minute, but he, he says something at the time along the lines of, it'll be safer if you just go now. And I was just like, yeah, it would be safer if you both just walk through the door. There's nobody around. You could just get in the ship and leave. You know, and it was only like a few minutes later that I was like, all right, I guess, I guess it's not that he could have left and didn't. It's that he has unfinished business still. Yeah, he wants to destroy the marker. So, um, the rest of the game is basically him by himself and he's guiding himself along with his dead girlfriend to where he needs to go. Uh, yeah. 13 had a couple of good kill rooms too. 
I, I don't know if you remember, there was one where you're up on kind of like a... I think you're up on like a balcony, but it's like a figure eight balcony. Yeah, that one was hardcore right there. Yeah, I, I died more times in this chapter than I did in any other. Uh, that room I died a couple times in because they they can get behind you pretty easily, and they kind of come through the vents behind you. Mm-hmm. And then there was also, this was the level with that laser centrifuge where you had to kind of run room to room. Yeah. And stay along its outskirts until you could get all the way around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I actually died quite a few times here. I don't really know why. I just didn't have any life, and I ran into the centrifuge a couple of times. And you know, one time I had a guy on the ground. I went to stomp on him, and that just moved me far enough out into the corridor that I got killed by the centrifuge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of stupid stuff like that. I'll tell you stupid stuff when we get to the end of this chapter, <laughs> because uh, <laughs> so um, we eventually make it to where we can see the marker. The marker is this gigantic like skyscraper thing. It's huge. Yeah, and here we go, which is finally like this is the first time in the game that I feel like you really do get some some context because it's very clear now what he's trying to do. You can see it in the background. You know, there's clearly shit going on. You know what you're building to. So, I mean, it's a little late in the game to really step it up, but you know, these last two chapters felt much more purposeful than the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's building to the ending, and for what it's worth, that. That makes the ending a bit more exciting. Yeah. So uh, we get the the last calm video from uh, Tideman, and uh, he sees like there's a whole bunch of like it looks like bodies like flailing around. I, I guess it's necromorphs at the base of the marker. Yeah, that's where they were all them. running to. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of them, and um, Tideman's like, "Look at it! It wasn't supposed to happen like this." This is not my fault. And he's like, what the hell were you trying to do? And he's like, we were so close to getting a breakthrough of how this thing works. And they were using Isaac to try and figure that out because he was basically the key to it all. Because he was the only person to survive the original counter with the marker in Dead Space 1. And uh, it's all in his memories. It's all in his, basically infused in his DNA almost. So, um, he finally, we make it to a room where he comes to the realization of what Strauss has been mumbling to himself, all these different steps on how to stop this thing. And there is a machine there Mm -hmm. that, uh, drills into his eye. It's essentially always been one of my nightmares ever since I had LASIK. I've, I've got a little bit of a weird thing about my eyes. I've always had weird things about my eyes, and I had LASIK, and it freaked me out even more then. But, uh, yeah. yeah I've, I've routinely had a nightmare where my eyes are like crushed like crushed glass, and then every time I blink... It cuts um, them even more. Cuts my eyelids. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, it, it's, it's kind of like a quick time event, but not really. It's a very slow time event. <laughs> well, see, I didn't know how to do this. You have to have the pupil looking at the needle. Yep. And he's constantly moving his eye around because he's freaking out. And so you have to keep keep the, like the reticle on his pupil. Otherwise, it, hey. it messes up. You need some sedation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so how do I do this? So I held down the X button 
for the needle. <laughs> just jabbed it right in. Yeah, for the needle to come in. Of course, his eyes fucking moving all over the place. Did you get the game over for this? Yeah, I, I failed it once. I failed it twice. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? <laughs> and I didn't realize that you could slowly bring the needle down. I thought you just had to hold it down and then try to aim at the same time. Yeah. Um, but you can slowly bring it down. If you fail it, it's pretty great because that needle didn't just go through his eye, it goes through his entire skull and crushes his <laughs> his entire skull. Um, it's a one pretty big oops. Yeah. Uh, but even when it goes through his pupil, like just him sitting there like staring at it, it's disturbing. Yep. It's so disturbing. So he, is. He's making these like sounds. And I was like, oh, God, this is horrible. But I don't know what that machine does. I think it takes his DNA. That's a good question. Or implant something into him? Because he is... Yeah, they said it was something about their brain that was different, right? Yeah. Those like... those people who get and see the pattern when, when the marker's emitting this force... Most people just hallucinate, but some people get, get the pattern as well. Uh, it seemed a little vague to me. I think I missed it. It's kind of like uh, Shepard whenever he saw the um, the uh, Prothean artifact. Yeah, or in Stargate when they do the download. So, but yeah, uh, we do that, and now it's time to go to Chapter 15. Or no, 14. 14. But essentially it's one chapter. 14 and 15 are almost one chapter. Yeah, 14 is basically, it's it's time to, you know, uh, get to the marker and destroy it. Uh, and this is where they just throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. Including yep. a necromorph that you can't kill. Yeah, this is like a gauntlet. Yeah, so there is a necromorph constantly chasing after you that you can't kill. You can cut off its limbs, and it will lay there for about 10 seconds and then regenerate its limbs and come back at you. And there's constant times where you either have to hack doors or wait for a door to open, and this thing's chasing you. On top of that, there are other necromorphs still trying to kill you. Um, If they had done this more throughout the game, I would have said it was frustrating. Because to be fair, it was a little bit frustrating. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is the gauntlet to get to the end boss, so it should be, in my opinion. Right. Again, I thought it it just it just had the right difficulty for me. I mean, I I don't know. I I might have died once in this level, or it might have just been really close a bunch of times. I'm not sure, but it it didn't get to the point where I was frustrated with the game. I was just like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, go go go. Yeah, you know, and it's really, it's really like amping up the intensity. It was pretty good. I, I, I actually enjoyed it because it was th- these were like ones where I was like, I could just run past these guys. Yeah, this is the only level I definitely ran past everything I could. Yeah, I did too. Because I mean, it's, like you said, it's a gauntlet because you're you're running the mo- the majority of this level, and I'd say it's probably a good twenty minutes. Um, but yeah, we finally make it to the base of the marker. And Tideman shows up, physically shows up this time. Half of his face has been burned off <laughs> or, or ripped off. And like he, he looks like half a skeleton. Yeah. Uh, but he's still alive. 
and he shoots. Uh, he has like a um, what was it? The crossbow thing? What is it called? The javelin thrower. Javelin, yeah, yeah. He shoots uh, Isaac twice with the javelin thrower. First time it hits him in his side, and he has to like pull out the javelins, and then he's he puts his hand up, and he shoots him through the hand, <laughs> and so he's having to pull a javelin out of his hand. Um, but luckily, uh, Isaac is able, is able to overpower him and, uh, he shoots, he takes the javelin thrower and shoots, uh, Tideman and he falls over and then to do the final kill, he then takes the javelin thrower and puts it up under his neck <laughs> and then shoots it and it goes like through part of his head and in his neck. He's dead. Yeah, even that felt a little bit anticlimactic. Exactly, though. because it's all done through the the viewpoint of Isaac's back. Yeah. And I was just like, there's a better way to do this. You know, even just give me a cutscene. So, I don't know. So, he falls over dead. Um, and begins chapter 15 which is the final chapter where um Isaac which is now, mostly ju- just a boss fight yeah it is um and it's we get the I guess it's a big reveal his dead girlfriend who has been leading him there this whole time is actually doing it so he can get absorbed by the marker and quote unquote make them whole uh so he's like screw this and so the boss fight is both his girlfriend and the marker. Um, if the girlfriend, and this is all taking place in his mind. Yeah. So if, if his girlfriend, she's slowly walking toward him. If she ever gets a hold of him, she then takes over his mind. We go back out to the real world where he takes the javelin thrower and shoots himself in the head with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to shoot her. I use my flamethrower here. What happens is, is that when you shoot her enough times, she will dissipate. And, uh, when, uh, when it dissipates, the marker itself has like this giant beating heart that is exposed and you have to shoot it. Uh, and you do that multiple times. Uh, and there's the, the rounds of little kid shades. Yeah, there's the little kid idiots running around. Hard to see. Yeah, they're hard to see because they're like made of shadow or something. Uh, but luckily when you make the girlfriend dissipate, it kills all those little kid necromorphs. And they also drop ammo. Uh, but yeah, you do that, I'd say at least probably five rounds shooting the heart. And when you do that, it uh, destroys the marker, or it starts like a uh, like a a shutdown mode or something like that. It's like a self destruct kind of thing. Um, we come back out into the real world, and uh, it shows uh, Isaac kind of just sitting there. He takes off his helmet, or you know, brings it down, and he's just kind of sitting there. Yep, job done. Job done. There, you know, this this place is going to self destruct. You know, I'm 
I'm going to accept my fate. And the credits start playing as he's sitting there. And then he gets a calm call from Ellie saying, oh, I'm not done with you yet. She comes back to pick us up. Uh, when she shows up, uh, there's something like, I guess the centrifuge or something gets destroyed and we're in zero G again. So now we're trying to dodge debris that's falling while flying through zero G and trying to make it to the, the spacecraft that she's on. Mm-hmm. Wasn't very difficult. I didn't die here or anything like that. And it wasn't that very long. Yeah. Make it in and we grab a hold of her. She pulls us in and, uh, we close the door. And as we're closing the door, this giant explosion happens and we're able to escape. And, uh, it's, it's funny because if you remember dead space one and how it ended, this game ends exactly how dead space one did. Uh, he's kind of staring out the, you know, the, the window of the, uh, of the ship while, you know, seeing the destruction of the Titan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at the end of Death Space One, uh, it's kind of real quiet. He's staring out in the space. And when he turns around, there is a necromorph on the ship and it attacks him. And that's how the game ends. And was it a necromorph? I thought it was Nicole. I thought it was a necromorph. Oh, uh, yeah. I can't, I, I can't remember. So, something attacked him. Something attacks him. And that's how the game ends on kind of like a, what you think is a cliffhanger. Um, but in this one, he's staring out in the space and he turns real quickly because he, it's almost like he remembers from Dead Space One. And when he, tur- <laughs> when he turns real quickly, it's Ellie sitting there. She's like, you all right? And he's like, yeah, I'm all right. And then it ends. And I was like, ah, they're trying to do a little callback to the, the first Dead Space. And that's the end of the game. Yep, that's it. We uh, survived another marker. Yeah, they play the credits, and at the very end, after the credits, we do get a, a short Metal Gear Solid almost thing where you hear a shadowy voice talk about the destruction of Titan and how that marker has been destroyed. And they're like, okay, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll activate one of the other stations. Is that where they call it Marker 12? I think it was Marker 12, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. Maybe he shouldn't have risked his life. Maybe he should have just left anyway because there's so many other ones. True. You know, who cares if you blow up this one? So, uh, yeah, this leads the the player to think that there are other markers out there and some shadowy organization is controlling them all. And that's the end of Dead Space 2. After that, you can unlock New Game Plus mode. You also unlock Hardcore mode. One of those two things I will be doing. Yeah. So not hard- hardcore mode. <laughs> hardcore mode. Let's uh, let's talk about hardcore <laughs> mode for a second because I don't want to do it, but that is so intriguing to me. Is that three saves? Yes. So uh, hard- like hardcore mode is basically zealot difficulty, which is the hardest difficulty, which means you're not going to get much ammo. You're not going to get much health items. On top of that, you're only allowed to save three times the entire time, the entire playthrough. And if you die, you go back to your last save. You don't get a checkpoint. There's no checkpoints. I'm sure that there's people out there have done this, and I guarantee you there's like a forum dedicated to how to do this. Yeah, the best three save spots. Yeah, where's where's the best three save spots? 
where's the best to do this, everything, what kind of weapons should I use. I am, I'm not going to do it, but at the same time, <laughs> I am tempted to try it. Um, and I w- it would be fascinating to watch, like watch a, vi- I'm sure, I'm sure there's a video on YouTube of somebody doing it. Yeah, I'll bet there is. Even see, even if I had the remotest desire to do this, and I absolutely do not, uh, I don't even think I would attempt it until my third or fourth playthrough. Make sure I've got every weapon totally maxed, you know, the best armor totally maxed. So, yeah, I, I keep it on the. It's possible list, but it's certainly not. You know, I, I would want to play through it probably two more times before I even thought about it. Yeah. So, because at that point, then I'd have a better sense of where things are, you know, where the hardest, hardest bits are to, you know, prepare for them. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the great thing about Death Space Two is the fact that the new game plus allows you to carry over pretty much everything, all your suits that you picked up, uh, all of your uh, upgrades that you made to your weapons and your suit and stuff like that. It all carries over. Which is the half that I am excited about because, you know, I was stuck with that stupid rivet. Well, not stuck with. I <laughs> I carried that stupid rivet gun the entire game. I would love to start my second playthrough and ditch that completely from the beginning and, you know, use the weapons I didn't get to use, unlock the upgrades I didn't get to unlock, uh, you know, check out all the alternate fire because I, I didn't really use any of those throughout the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like because this game isn't really story-driven, because it's action-driven, I I have more incentive to do that because the things that they're allowing me to carry over are exactly the things that would change the experience. Whereas had it been more atmospheric, you know, I, I would have spent a lot more time being like, yeah, I, I've already seen this, I've already done this. But, you know, every fight is really what this game's about, so... Getting to do that with new weapons and upgraded weapons sounds pretty intriguing. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I at one, sometime I am going to try New Game Plus. I don't know when. It may be ten years from now. Who knows? <laughs> but I do want to try that because I just want to. I to me, nothing would suit me better than to just say I want to max everything out. Yeah, and there's a lot of games that give you that option, but there's not a lot of games where I find that to be a compelling enough reason to go back to it. Yeah. For some reason, this game, I'm like, I I really have a desire to max these weapons out. Well, on top of that, you decided to go ahead and start out Dead Space 3. Yeah, I I would like to do New Game Plus, but I also really wanted to get to the game that we were given for free, and I have not been able to even load because I was so stuck on Dead Space 2. And uh, so, yeah, I, I immediately, as soon as I finished this game, I, I actually played through 11 through 15 all in one morning, uh-huh. uh, Saturday mornings past weekend, two sittings. But, you know, I played for a couple hours, you know, I went and did something else. I'm like, man, I, I really just want to see the ending of it. So I played through the end of the game. And as soon as as soon as the credits rolled, I started up New Game Plus on Dead Base 2. I made it to the first save point and said, all right, this is going to be pretty good, but I want to see something new at this moment. So I then – actually, I already had it downloaded, so I just booted up Dead Space 3. And it's funny because on one hand, it looks better, plays better, sounds better, 
and has a totally new setting. So it it, it was really interesting to get a, a new version of Dead Space. It's not as corridory so far. I only got the first. I only played maybe an hour or so, but right. But it, it definitely feels different. But I was kind of shaking my head a little bit because it, it's nice you actually start like in a city with lots of other people, which is uh, not in keeping with sort of normal dead space atmosphere either. Yeah. So it, it's kind of cool from that sense. But similar to some of my issues with Dead Space 2, uh, within, what, 10 or 12 minutes, everything is devolved and there's necromorphs everywhere. <laughs> All hell's breaking loose. Yeah, and it it again reminded me of your comment on The Last of Us. Not not to say that necessarily one's better or, or not, but in in The Last of Us again, when you go hours before all hell breaks loose, and in this game, literally within like eleven or twelve minutes, <laughs> you're right back in the thick of things, and you know that's where you're going to stay for a dozen hours. Yeah, the rest of this game. Yeah. So once again, I don't think they really solved that atmosphere thing, but. You know, that being said, everything that was good about Dead Space 2 seems like it's back in Dead Space 3 and, and even more refined. So uh, I'm I'm pretty eager to play through it. Well, I would I would like to tell you to hang on because I would like to play that with you co-op. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah, there's there's full on. Can you co-op. play the whole the whole single player? The entire thing co-op. Damn. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big perk. It's it, like, yeah, me and Ken played, I would say at least a couple of chapters, if not more of that game. Cause Ken was, Ken was, I think reviewing it and he was looking for a co-op partner. And, uh, I, it's, it, and the thing is, it's like one of those where y- you're going to see, you get separated a lot and you're going to see different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes into the puzzle solving. Split and stuff screen? Mm, no. Like, I'm playing as a different character. You know, you play as the military man. I can't remember what his name is. Have you ran into him yet? Mm, the the older guy? I, I guess. Because you start off, there's a prologue, and... Well, it's not much of a spoiler. That guy doesn't, doesn't stick around very long. Yeah. No, this is this is a guy who's who works for the military... And he's, he teams up with Isaac. Mm, I don't think I'm quite there yet, then. Okay. I don't know how the co-op would work if at the beginning, then. But we'll... I don't know. I, I'm willing to play through it with you if you want. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. If we can find time. Yeah. That's the so problem. I guess it's got to be before Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> That's not particularly true. I'm going to play a lot of Monster Hunter, but, you know... I'm sure I can. I'm, I'm sure I can stow away an hour a day for you, Matt. <laughs> so but I, yeah. I would like to. I, I, I've, in the last week or so, I've had some off days, and I, you know, I've, I've played a, a little bit of a lot of of a lot of games. And uh, Dead Space Three is one I'm itching to go back to at some point. Cool. Well, I will. Uh, I will download it tonight, and then we'll see what we can do. So yeah, I'm off all next week. Do you have any time? Uh, I may have some time. We'll see. But like I said, I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, that's it for uh, Dead Space 2. Um, there's no emails, but so that's okay. Um, we uh, we have announced, 
but we're going to reiterate here our next uh, theme for 2018 will be the year of the JRPG. We have decided we're going to play through some JRPGs, and our first one is going to be Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch, which is a game I purchased day one and maybe got three hours into it. Hmm. I. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, the JRPGs in general, as I've said a few times on the show, you know, I, I feel like I've missed a lot of JRPGs. I never played them when I was younger. I never really got into them until the PS2 days, and even then it was only a little bit, so I didn't... I, I wonder, I'd have to go back and look at what the first JRPG I ever finished was. I'm not sure. Um, Probably Final Fantasy VII for me. I've put a good 60 or 70 hours into it, I think. <laughs> That's a long game. Yeah. Well, I mean, over multiple starts. I've started that game quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, again, I, I've missed a whole lot of them. So, you know, any kind of focus like this gets me excited about what we might play. And Nino Cooney is one that I absolutely adored when, when they were showing it. Everything I've ever seen from it, I've loved. And, uh, yeah, I just started it up yesterday, actually. Yeah. I want to start it up today, uh, tonight, hopefully. And buckle up, because it's about a 50-hour RPG. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're going to be doing that. Um, the next game after that, I have no idea. We'll figure that out in the coming month that we're going to be playing Nino Kuni. Yeah. Uh, Nino Kuni, I will go ahead and say we're probably going to have our first episode at the beginning of the year probably take a week off kind of thing okay uh because you know i got lost that yeah i got people christmas and stuff like that and got just got stuff to do but yeah that's uh that's it for us um if you want to follow us on twitter i am at dml fury matt is at remgs and the podcast itself is at ztgd phoenix down uh, you can also send us an email if you'd like. Uh, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. I know a lot of people are going to be playing uh, Nino Kuni with us. I've, I've, I've heard at least three people that said that they're probably going to play it along with us. So once you get those emails in, email us about your thoughts on Nino Kuni. And uh, you know what? Uh, make some game suggestions for the JRPGs. I know we got. Yeah, be they. Be they JRPGs or palate cleansers. Yeah. So here's here's the thing, and I actually want to talk about this before we leave, because we had this short discussion on the N4G radio. What do you consider an RPG, Matt? Oh. What defines <laughs> an RPG? Uh, character growth and progression would be my simplest answer. So you think a game with stats? I think I think it has to have stats, yes, but you have to also have some control over what happens and how you you know if it, if it's points that you apply. Because for me, if if you're not able to choose how how which stats are upgraded, then you're not role playing anything. You're not changing. You're not customizing anything. Well, technically, in Final Fantasy, you don't do that. 
there's a lot of Final Fantasies where you pick job classes and stuff, no? There's true, but I mean, look at Final Fantasy VII. The only thing you really choose is what to equip and, and what materia to put on. There's a, there, there, that's a yeah, blurry, sorry. that's a blurry line. Yeah. Because I, I personally consider Zelda an RPG. It's an action RPG. Yeah, your your character does grow. I guess you don't have a lot of choice over the matter, right? Yeah, I mean, you get hearts, you know, you're, you get new items and equipment. So you do get more powerful. Yeah. I, I you know it's weird that's that's a, that's a hard one and it, send some emails I want to I want to hear your thoughts on what classifies as an RPG because most people when you say RPG you think Final Fantasy you think of turn based battles and stuff like that but at the same time so is Diablo Diablo is an action RPG and there is no turn based anything you know but there's tons of stats you know to deal with and I don't know I think there's there it's it's kind of a gray area there for for RPGs you know. And Ken, Ken made the off comment of, well, then everything's an RPG. You know? Well, I think there's some truth in that, and I think that people have seen the appeal of RPGs and have added RPG elements into games, even like Call of Duty. Yeah. Uh, Borderlands was like the first that I remember was like, oh, we're throwing, you know, a first person shooter into an RPG. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um,. Yeah, they really have muddied the lines for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's the thing. It's like we could do the year of the RPG and play Borderlands for Christ's sakes, and that's a first person shooter. Do you, do you consider that first person shooter first or RPG first? Because it would be hard for any game to strike like a perfect balance between the two. Usually, you're going to have a strength, and then you're going to add something else to it, right? Yeah. Play- I don't know. That's that's a hard one because I mean the main mechanic is you're shooting stuff, but every time you shoot stuff, you can gain experience points and level up, and then you have a skill tree, and it's it's most certainly an RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, that's that's a hard one. Like like see, yes, that's that's the thing. That's the kind of discussions I want to have. Is like, what defines an RPG for you, kind of thing. So, I mean, like, if you want to go to the classic RPG stuff, it starts with pen and paper. You know, Dungeons and Dragons was technically the first RPG ever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's tons of games out there that kind of devolve into that. Like, you know, you look at, like, the, the old school, you know, Baldur's Gate series. That's a classic RPG kind of thing where it's it's a video game version of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um And... You know, from there it kind of evolved into, you know, Diablo, which is more of, you know, you, you're moving a character around and, and, you know, you have to worry about, you know, proximity and, and you know, all in real time rather than, you know, pausing the game and choosing stuff. I don't know. It's interesting. It was, it, that was, that was something that was brought up because we were talking about what's, what names from JRPGs you guys are going to be doing. You know, and that's the thing is like we're sticking to Japanese RPGs, which there's a ton of. Um, but you know, I was like, I was thinking, I was like, man, we should have just done RPGs because I would have loved to have done like, um, you know, Tyranny or uh, um, uh, Pillars of Eternity, or even like uh, Divinity: Original Sin, those kind of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I do want to stick to our theme, which is JRPGs. So, and there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah, certainly are. And there's always more years for more more RPGs. Yeah. And if we were to do, like, 
defend the original sin, that would probably take us like three months. Yeah. That's, th- <laughs> those games are long. You know, Pillars of Eternity is a very long game. So. But yeah. That's yeah, a lot to look forward to. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna choose some really good ones. We, we may go old school with some of these RPGs too. I'm, 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 I'm scared, but I'm flirting with the idea of possibly doing Legend of Dragoon. Ooh. This year. Now you're talking my language. Legend of Dragoon is a four disc PlayStation 1 game. It's probably gonna look like crap. <laughs> uh, you can down, I own it on, uh, uh, yeah, I do too. On PS3. Um, it was a, one of those that they brought for like PlayStation 1 classics. Um, that is a game that I loved when I was younger. Uh, I think it came out in 2000, which is like, I was 15. Ooh, you're, you're, you're getting me excited about one of the games I've always wanted to play. Is that Vagrant uh, Story? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Always. Um, it's, it's so many times I've seen it at the top of lists and you know, maybe I'm just a sucker, but just art like the just the cover art has me so so excited to play that game someday doesn't doesn't have to be this year but something about that art i just love it we can we can totally do it this year if you want this is our fucking show we can do whatever we want there's another game that i i i really want to do um it's a ds game uh that they're making a they're doing a remaster of it on 3ds coming out this year sometime it's called hmm. Radiant Historia. Radiant Historia is, I mean, to me, it's one of the best Japanese role-playing games that's ever been made. Yeah, I picked that up on your recommendation. Yeah. So I I, I highly suggest anybody to play Res- Radiant Historia, and I kind of really want to do that for this year for Phoenix Down. Oh, that'd be a good one. Yeah. So... Uh, a lot of stuff coming up this year. I mean, I'm getting married and, you know, there's some big, big things on the horizon for me. So, um, we'll try to get in as much as we can, you know, can't guarantee anything, but we'll get there and there's a ton of games to choose from, but yeah, that's it for us. We're going to get out of here. Uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with us for our Halloween episode. It came two months late, but that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's it. Uh, Nino Cooney next, but I'm really excited to jump into it. Yeah. Buckle up. Yep. So until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great holiday. Happy new year to you all. And we'll be back in 2018 with the beginning of Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch.